So I've been, yeah. So I was, I was working at Walmart doing the stuff that I normally do, and I have these, these receipts, these invoices that I have to make sure I keep track of, otherwise I don't get paid. And um, the wind came up. Not only did it take my invoices off, but the cases that my tortillas come in are just stacked, and I have like a, a whole stack of 20. And they're empty, but they're plastic, so you, you know, you'd, you'd think they're heavy enough they wouldn't blow. Not with the great South Dakota wind. Oh, man, it blew away. And it reminded me of Woody Guthrie when he sang, uh, My Oklahoma Woman Blew, blew Away. Um, as he bent down to kiss her, she was picked up by a twister. And... Uh, my, my invoices and my, my tortilla trays and everything were blown away. And I was thinking about relating that to, to what Solomon was talking about, chasing the wind, as I was obviously chasing my invoices. That was my paycheck. Um, and I understood how, how futile it is to chase the wind. <laughs> and... I can relate that back to what we're talking about today. We're, t- we're talking about who we worship. And there's some really subliminal idols, some subliminal gods that are in our lives that unless we take time to think about it, we, we don't even know they exist. Um, and it's just chasing the wind. Uh, so many great songs. Bob Dylan all the way across. Man. <laughs> Stop it. Um, before we get too carried off, I wanted to pray and, and encounter God and just ask him to take control of everything here. It, he's already in control. He's our sovereign God. But I wanted to release whatever I have back to him right now. I've, I've done that, but I want to do it here so you guys know that God's in control. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you, that you open up your word to us, that you allow your spirit to prick every single one of our hearts so that we can have some understanding of who you are, of what you, you have for uh, your, your message unto us. God, we thank you so much for your son, and we ask that you give us some clarity throughout the scriptures. Lord, we, we ask that you help us apply these scriptures to our lives and to live them out daily. But most importantly, Lord, I ask that you draw us close to you. Teach us to have a hungering heart for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, as I was chasing those, those invoices, uh, again, like I said, I was, I was reminded about the se- section of Scripture that talked about chasing the wind. And I thought it would be really humorous if I could set up a camera and watch, like, just videotape someone, preferably not me, chasing the wind. But I didn't really have anyone that wanted to volunteer to do that. So you can just imagine your own self chasing the wind and laugh a little bit about that. It's great. Um, I thought it would be humorous. It would be great. Um, But that aside, in in my quiet time, this this is going to tie in here. In my quiet time, I was was going through Scripture, and, and I went into Exodus, and and I went through Exodus 20. Anyone know what's in Exodus 20? Anyone? Ten Commandments. 
Yeah, I, I know them by heart because me and my mom and dad, every time I got in trouble, they were like 10 times every commandment. And then when I was done with that, they'd say, oh, here's another version, Brett, 10 times in that one. And that was great. I, I got to tell you, I loved it because my hands never never hurt or anything like that, but it was, it was the greatest, most lively. No, it was terrible. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> But uh, so, so I, I got there in my quiet time and I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to skip this. I know exactly what it says. And God said, no, you need, you need to reread this. You need to look at this. Because as a, student of, 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 as a student of the Bible, as someone who wants to get to know God, God's word is alive and it's active. And it has something to say to us no matter how often we re- have read it, the same scripture. Even the Beatitudes, or, or of course the Beatitudes, but even, even the where you're like, oh, so-and-so and begotten so-and-so, and so-and-so and begotten so-and-so. Um, there's so much that you can take out of those things, but it's so long. <laughs> can I say that? Can I say that as, as that's just long and, and boring. I'll be real with you guys. It's boring. But even the Ten Commandments to me, after I've written them 10,000 times, it seems like, it's boring to read it, but I got something out of it that was really cool. Um, anyone know the first couple commandments? Anyone? Don't shout at once. Okay, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and strength. Or no, 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 that's, that's a very big paraphrase. I don't know if this thing is on. This thing is going to be the death of me. I don't know how to run it. There it is. Ah. So this is like paraphrased Bretonese form. It says, do not, or no other gods other than God. No idols. Don't misuse the Lord's name. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your mom and dad. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't covet. Those are very much paraphrased. But I wanted to really emphasize the first two. No other gods. No idols. You shall have no other god before me. And really, if, if we turn to Exodus 20, you don't have to do this, but please let me do that. Exodus 20, I should have wrote this out. I was talking to my brother, and uh, it reads, the God, uh, Then God spoke all these words, Exodus 20, verse 1. I am the Lord your God. And really, as, as far as the culture goes, that statement should be read before you read any of the other commandments. I am the Lord thy God. You shall have no other God before me. I am the Lord thy God. You shall not make an idol for yourself. Continuing on all the way through, you should read it. I am the Lord thy God, because it is the authority of God saying these things to us. As we read Scripture, you should remember that that is God's authority that you're reading. You shall have no other gods besides me. That's, that's the Holman version. And I, and I started thinking about the rest of these. If, if I am a person who has no other God before me, then every action I have should be God-ordained, right? Ordered. Every action I have should be ordered by God. So if I sin, do any of the other things, if I lie or if I steal, if I don't listen to my mom and dad, there is a different idol controlling me. I, I, have, I have not surrendered, my, I haven't surrendered myself to the lordship of God. Therefore, if you break any of the other commandments, 
you're breaking the first one. So any time you break those other ones, it's a double, double dip of, of sin, if you will. And what did your mom and dad tell you about double dipping? It's bad. Don't do it. So that, that just hit me, hit me like a sack of potatoes. And then I found out that some other guy came up with the same thing like 400 years ago. This guy, well, 500 years ago, his name is Martin Luther. And he wrote, he actually wrote, he, he translated the, the Bible back into German um, from, from Latin. And he was really, I don't need to give you guys a history lesson, but he was, he was really ostracized for it. And um, that and a number of other things that, that he was holding the church accountable to. But that, that was one of the things that he wrote in there. It's like, if we, if we break any of the other commandments, we're, we're breaking the first two for sure. And, and I was just like, holy cow, wow. We really do have idols in our own lives. So I started looking more and more. <laughs> and the more I looked at my life and I saw, okay, when I eat the ice cream in the freezer that is labeled Jennifer's, That is, that, that is sin. <laughs> that, that is, a, I double dipped, thanks. <laughs> I double dipped, that's true. <laughs> so when I eat that ice cream, I am, I am serving a God, but it is not the God. I'm serving myself. Self, sin. That's the, probably the biggest idol that we have is self. And um, just think about it. Look at, look at online. What do we do most of our, our free time, guys? Especially my age, millennials on down, Generation X, summer, some of you guys. Facebook. Francis Church, Chan, Francis Church, Francis Chan even talked about this in one sermon. He's like, we have a whole page dedicated to ourself. It's, it was worth, it was my space. Yeah, that's my space. So we have a whole page dedicated to ourselves. And, and that just shows our, our society, our whole culture. So there's, there's d- different kinds. When, when I looked at, at the, our section of scripture that we're going to be into, which is Joshua 24, by the way, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and pull there real quick. Um, but, but when I looked through Joshua 24, I noticed that there was certain categories of idols and gods that, that, that was set up in there. And so we're going to get into that here. Let's go ahead and jump into um, a, an assessment that we can really do is ask why. Why are we doing our, these actions? Like I said with Jennifer and her ice cream and my ice cream, really her ice cream, any ice cream in the house is her ice cream. Um, <laughs> The, the, the thing we have to ask is, why am I doing this action? Why am I performing this action? If the answer is not because the Lord wants me to do it, we need to double-check why you are doing what you are doing. It's kind of confusing. But that's the answer. Are you worshiping the God of the Bible? So every action that we do, we need to ask, what is the why? Why am I doing what I'm doing? If the answer does not go back to God told me to do it, we need to double check. Why am I doing this? In Joshua 24, 1 through 15, we're going to start out with 1 through 4. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem and summoned Israel's elders, leaders, judges, officers, and 
they presented themselves before God. Judges, leaders, officers, you guys are all before God. Okay, cool. We're here. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father, Abraham, from the region beyond the Euphrates River and led him throughout the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave the hill country of Seir to Esau as a possession. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. So there's gods of our fathers. Abraham's dad did not believe in the one true God. There's sections in there where it shows him uh, giving sacrifices to, to, uh, to other gods. And so, they're, they're, Abraham has a lineage of idolater, idol worshipers, as we would say. Many of us have uh, uh, gods that our parents have passed down to us, or our parents have passed, yeah. And some of those can be alcohol, if our parents were alcoholics in the family, some of us have struggled with that in the past. Some of us still struggle with that. TV, um, I, almost, I would say just about all of us in here, I don't know. I, just the way I see our society moving, TV is a big idol in our world. Like, let's, let's take a look at this. There's a, there's a missionary that came from India, and he looked at how, how they had their house set up. All the chairs in the house were were pointed towards one specific location, and in that location there was a table. And on top of that table there was a god, one of their false gods in India. Now if we step into your living room and look at how all the chairs are arranged, and you look at the table in the center of that, that living room, and on top of that table there's this box. Some of them they're like really flat things. And then you look at it and it's a TV. Our home is set up very much the same way. We have God... TV as a, one of our gods. Food. Food's another big one. We, we, and, this, and some of these stretch across categories. They really do. Uh, food can be a god to us. Money is a huge one. Self-image is a great big god in many of our lives. And we fail to admit it. We fail to acknowledge it. Because we're so self-focused. We're so self-centered. We forget about everything else. And, and we, 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 we can't even take time out of our self centered, narcissistic society, narcissistic self, because we don't, we, the reason why we don't recognize it is because we're so wrapped up within ourselves. We don't look at what God's saying to us. So there's the gods of our fathers. And then we continue on in Joshua 24, 5 and 7. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt by what I did there, and afterwards I brought you out when I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you reached the Red Sea, the Egyptians pers- uh, pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. Your fathers cried out to the Lord. Oh, man, look at that, Miss Casey. Lord. So he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Your own eyes saw what I did to e- Egypt. After that, you lived in the wilderness a long time. Lingtom. I better do some spell checking next time. So there's, there's the gods of the fathers. 
And then there's the gods of our experience, the gods of our past. So what we experience in life, what we go through in life, sometimes that brings gods to our forefront. Alcohol goes back into this one. Food, a lot of times we, we self-medicate ourselves with food and alcohol and other things that, that, that we, they become a god to us. All of our, our time is spent into those things. And when we talk about worship, it's not just a holding a reverence for someone. It's actually also an act, what we, what we spend time, what we, we think about. So the more time we think about something and it just takes possession of our mind, the more it's an act of worship, the more we are serving those gods. So when we take time and we're looking at, at uh, let, let's say you, you go into your workplace and you're working all throughout the day, but that's not where your mind's at. Your mind's on other things, specifically, oh, I, like Lost was a big show that I really enjoyed. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen on Lost tonight when, when we get to go home and watch it on ABC or CBS or whatever it was. Uh, you know, it would, it would possess your whole time. Or sometimes you would, you would lay down to go to sleep and you would dream specifically about what's going to happen next on the show. Has anyone done that? Or am I just weird? I've done that before. Okay. Admitting here, I have, I have idols that I have to tear down in my heart too. Uh, so many other things. Some people, some guys, and even sadly some ladies... It's pornography. You get, you're at work, and you're thinking about, you know, what I'm going to go look up on the computer or, or where I'm going to go purchase something or whatever. It's really sad. Our, our minds are so entrapped by these things. Others of us, we talked about narcissism earlier. Other of us, we're at our jobs, and we have computers at our jobs, and we're looking up Facebook. We're not, even, we're, we're not even to the point where we're just thinking about it. We're actually doing it at our jobs, at our workplaces. Ouch, that one hurts me too. <laughs> I use Facebook a lot for my job, though. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me excuse myself a little bit. That's not a legitimate excuse. But then there's another thing. Like, basically, here's what Josh was doing. He's, he's, laying, down, he's laying down the gauntlet, and he says, you have God, and you have all these other things that you can choose to be your God. And let me, he's making a case. He's saying, let me, let me stack the deck a little bit for the one true God. Here's what the one true God has done. He's got a pros and cons list out, and he's writing down all the pros of our God. Because here's, here's what God has done. And just what we read about in, in, in Joshua 24, just that first section of, of 5 through 7, Here's what God has done. God has shown, had a showdown with the Egyptian gods. You know those plagues that took place in Egypt? All, you know, Pharaoh was like, no, you can't take, take the people out. And Moses was like, let my people go. And, Mo, and, and Pharaoh said, no. So God sent in plagues. And those plagues were specifically geared toward the gods that the Egyptians worshipped. You guys know how long... The Israelites were in Egypt like 400 years. You guys know how long the U.S. has been a nation? Like 200. So can you imagine how much the, Egypt, or the Israelites picked up from the gods in Egypt, how much they learned? So God, God basically proved himself right there. Egyptian gods, they're nothing. 
let me show you how it's done. And he throws the plagues out. Not only that, he goes out and he protects them. The Egyptian army is just at their heels and they are at the Red Sea. And then God says, Moses, stick out your staff. And he goes up like this and you see the water divide. One of two times that you see the water getting divided. Two, three times. One of three times. First time is that the Red Sea is probably the biggest one in, in, in the scriptures. But you see that the Israelite people just walk through on dry ground all the way across the Red Sea. Then what happens? They get all the way through and God makes sure they're all cleared. Even the little baby that almost drowned because Moses didn't grab him in the Charlton Heston movie. <laughs> but, uh, but no, <laughs> sorry. God makes sure they're all safe. And then as soon as they're all safe, Pharaoh's heart grows hard and he goes after them again. And God's like, oh, see you later. Greatest power on earth is now drowned at the bottom of the Red Sea due to God's great power. As if that's not enough, he stacks the deck even more. He says, what about, what about all that time you guys spent in the desert? Who, who fed you guys? I mean, think about it. The Israelites are walking throughout the desert for 40 years, and they're like, oh, we, we, miss, we miss the food idols of, of Egypt. We're so hungry. And they're, they're just bemoaning the entire time. And they're, they're not being thankful. They're not showing gratitude for what God's done for them. And, and so God gives them manna. You know, there's other places in there where God does judge them, and, and we're not going to get into that. That's too far down the rabbit trail. I don't want to go. But... God gave great providence to the nation of Israel as they were walking throughout the wilderness. So, as if that wasn't enough, Joshua continues on in 24, 8 through 10. Later I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan. They fought against you, but I handed them over to you. You possessed their land and I annihilated them. He didn't just destroy them, he annihilated them before you. Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, he repeatedly blessed you, and I delivered you from his hand. Does anyone remember that story? It's out of numbers. It's about what, what, what turns him around. What, what turns Balaam around? The donkey. There's a talking donkey in this story. As if that's not enough, let's stack the deck even further. There's a talking donkey telling the guy, stop. Isn't that cool? God is a mighty God, is sovereign God. He can even use animals to turn people around. He doesn't stop there, but uh, we're, we're going to jump. I jumped ahead a little bit. Let's see. There it is. There's idols of environment. The Hebrews now resided in the, the uh, what is that kingdom? All, all, the, all the Amorites, really. All, all the, the nations they defeated, really God defeated for Israel. And uh, they're, they're starting to take on their idols now and starting to worship them. And the one big one that, that, that really curses them throughout all of Old Testament, they pick up here at the Amorites, and that's the god of Baal and the goddess Ashtoreth. And it does, they, they never shake their feet. The, the dirt's always on their feet from all the rest of the Old Testament. Baal is there to stay until the end of Old Testament time. 
it's really sad. But it's the God of their environment, and that's where we really see Facebook coming into play here as well. That's where we see celebrity worship, our sports stars, A-Rod, you know, all those guys. We think, we think those guys are so great, and we stick them up as role models, and we think, oh, i got to fi- figure out what's g- happening to Beyonce now or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know. So those, those things, uh, equality, that's a big one nowadays. Got to make sure everyone has equality somehow. We don't need to worry about the standards of God, but we need to, we need to make sure that everyone has equality here. And that's not necessarily the equality of Bible. Nationalism. This, I was telling, telling some of our leaders that I really struggled with this when I was younger. A, a very uh, respectful man that I've known would, would really just push nationalism all the time. Um, even even in the church, and that was a great thing. And national, we should be very proud of our nation. We should be proud of those who've who've come before us and laid the groundwork for our freedoms, for sure. But there is a time where nation nationalism stops, and God reigns on. Especially now in our government, we can definitely see that there is a difference there. So the God of nationalism needs needs to be dealt with in many of our hearts. Humanism, we think, oh, it's, it's the human thing to do. It's the humane thing to do. Well, is it the biblical thing to do? And, and, and I would say a lot of the things that we say are humane are biblical, but there's some things that just go a little bit too far, and we have to check. Am I doing this for God? Am I doing it for other reasons? And again, the self in Facebook. I've been just banging that drum all along here. But, but those are the gods of our environment, the gods of our culture, the gods of this society. So, again, we're stacking the deck. We talked about the donkey talking, but there's other things here. The enemies of the Hebrews would end up blessing instead of cursing. In fact, there's, there's some kings that were like, oh, we're going to send this prophet guy, and we're going to ask him to curse Israel. And he started on his way, and, and, of course, the donkey turned around and was like, hey, stop, you're going to get killed because there's an angel sitting right in front of me with a sword drawn. Don't do it. That's, the donkey saved the guy's life. And actually, the, the prophet actually, instead of cursing, he blessed Israel every time he opened his mouth. Crazy cool stories in numbers. You guys should check it out. <laughs> Little plug there. God even used the Daki. We talked about that. But God delivered his people. There's also a section in there where these two Amorite kings were, were plotting against Israel, and they were coming at them, and God took care of them before they even became an issue. God is a deliverer. God is sovereign. He is just. He is a loving God. Stacking the deck. So when we compare these gods that that really bog us down into into nothingness, and we're just chasing the wind because we're chasing the pleasures of our own lives, (laughs) and we put a pro and con to to God, we put them into comparison. There's not really any comparison to it. Finishing up here, it says Joshua twenty four eleven through. 13. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hedvites, the Jebusites, the Mysites, the Heis, your sites, the High sites, the Mysites. Those are just not really made up. My heights, your heights. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you. There's a really cool uh, commentary on this one where it talks about 
Maybe God actually sent a literal hornets to drive these guys out of the land, but that's really up to debate. Whether or not he did or not, I don't know, but all I know is that God is a God of his word, and so if he says it here, he probably did. There's some that say that it was, it was a Im- imagery, and you know, just a, a symbol of what he did. Either way, the guys weren't there when Israel had to deal with, or so Israel didn't have to deal with them. Also, the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow, so God did it for them. So in verse 13, it says, So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build up, and you live in them, and you eat from the vineyards and oil or olive groves that you didn't plant. God's given them great gifts. Again, stacking the deck. He dried up the Jordan. That's one thing that we didn't talk about here. When, when the second time that water was cast aside, so the first two are early, early, early on in Old Testament. You got the Red Sea, and then this other time where God says, you need to go across the Jordan, and then he sends the priests up, the Levitical priests, and they go in the middle of the Jordan, and they stand there, and all of the water, it's flood stage now, and all the water just comes aside. And it's, they're standing on dry ground. They cross the Jordan on dry ground, as if to stack the deck a little bit more for God. The walls of Jericho, you guys know the story of Jericho. Joshua fought the Bible, oh, Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. You know, and he wa- walked around the walls a number of times, and they gave a great shout, and the walls came tumbling down. Not, not forward, but down. So it wasn't no wind. It was straight down, imploded on top. And God has given the Hebrews many things in which they did not work for. Again, going back to the gifts, the vineyards, the olive groves that they, they didn't plant. They didn't really have to work for it, but God gave them it anyways. So then we've come to our final two sections, and this is really the big section here. It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, which why would it after you did the pros and cons? If serving the Lord is undesirable for you, Then choose your, for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Then Joshua's big one. This, you see this all over many homes, but you really question if it's being applied. Is, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a, what a bold statement. So my question to you guys in your own hearts, where your, your household is. What are you doing? Who are you doing it for? Why are you doing this? Are you doing it for the Lord? Doing it for yourself? For what you look like for your self-image? Who is the God of your heart? And a lot of times I think it changes throughout the day. It really does. But one thing's for sure, and this, this I, I really pulled out of the song. It was really cool. I... I I sang it with you guys, and then I, I started dwelling on it a little bit, meditating on it. It says, your grace, it, abound, it abounds in the deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where my feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed, and you won't start now. That's out of the ocean song that we just sung. 
And so when we are choosing our God, the God that we're going to serve, we have to tear down the idols that are in our hearts. We have to look at the time that we spent, the, spend thinking, the time that we spend acting, and we, we have to tear those idols down and we have to replace it with God, the God of Abraham, the God who sent Christ for our, our sins to cleanse us of all our sins. We have to, we have to replace the, the idols that we, we just litter our hearts with and allow God to reign in there. And then when we do any kind of action, we ask, God, what is it that you want us to do? What would, what would our church look like if all of us, or even just a large majority of us, moved in that direction, where we took down the idols of ourself, the idols that we've placed in our hearts? What would happen if we got rid of our selfishness and I quit eating Jennifer's ice cream? What would happen then? Jennifer would be extremely ecstatic because there's ice cream in the freezer. That's a small part. But if we went to a bigger scale, we stop being so self-centered and we start showing God's love to other people as well as exorbitant love to other people in our church. God says, people will come to me based on how you treat other people in the church. It's a very much paraphrase. But it's true. If you look at Acts, most of their growth was seen by, or was, was, was shown through how people reacted and treated other Christians, other believers in Christ. If you look at Acts 2, there's people selling everything they have so they could give it to their brother to cover some, some sort of need that was needed in the community. When we start showing that kind of crazy love, stop serving our own self, our own idols of money, greed, what would happen if this church began to do that? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you so much for your word. We ask that you give us boldness to do what you've called us to do, to rid ourselves of the things that we really don't need. It's just garbage. It's daunting and it's, it's, it's scary to do. Yet you've called us to do it. You're a jealous God. You don't, you don't want to be shared. How terrible would it be if we... I just, I, I just think of your, your stories in Hosea, God. You, you don't want us to commit adultery with other gods. You want our whole heart. That's what you ask for. So give us the strength, give us the courage and boldness to do these things. Give us the courage to ask a neighbor, a friend, a brother or sister in Christ to hold us accountable to these things. That's where growth's going to happen. God, teach us to desire you. Give us a hunger for you where we can't, we, we can't exist without it. You tell us that we, we don't need to live by bread alone, but only by your, your word. Help us test you in this. Help us, help us dive further into you, 
into your word, into knowing who you are, into having that intimate relationship with you where it's every day, every second of our lives, not just when it's convenient. Show us that we do have time for you. It's not that we don't. It's that we're choosing not to put you at the forefront. It's that we're choosing not to spend time with you, but self-serving things. God, we love you so much. Help us love you more. It's in your son's name that we pray these things. Amen.